The Utah Jazz are a more confident and improved basketball team since coming back from this road trip. That does not mean that easy days are ahead. It's all coming up next on Locked on Jazz. You are Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider. This is Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz, giving you insight, expertise, geeky numbers, and hopefully making it way better to be a Jazz fan each and every day. Thank you so much for making Locked on Jazz your first listen. Today, we'll look at the road trip, how the Jazz have matured and are a more confident team, and that was evident even in the loss last night, uh, maximizing players. We'll look at how the zone has kind of settled in. Oh boy, what do we do about rotation with a healthy roster? Uh, Some tough days are ahead, and uh, what do we do to get Taylor Hendricks some floor time? All of that coming up on today's show on this Friday edition of Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Thank you very much for making Locked on Jazz your first listen every single day. We are free and available on all podcasting apps. We are also on YouTube. Please hit the subscribe, and then on YouTube, hit the bell button. So it tells you whenever I might launch the show. We'll get back into a regular routine next week. The road trip kind of bounced us around a little bit and made it so we didn't quite do that. Uh, And for you, everydayers, happy new year. Thank you. Uh, Three guys said hi to me in the arena last night. Loved it. One guy came all the way from Florida. Another guy and his wife yelled up on their way out. So I always appreciate that. Um, Thank you very much for taking the time to say hello to Ron and I. And uh, it's always fun to see you on the road. So um, please do. And we're back on the road here shortly. Uh, Jazz are home tomorrow, three o'clock start. So tickets are available for that one. And then the first we play Dallas and Luca. If you've never seen Luca, I was talking to an NBA guy the other day who just really believes Luca's going to go down as Magic Johnson um, as truly one of the greatest players to ever play the game. So uh, if you get the chance, you might want to come out and see that. Hopefully uh, we can. I, I, I'm confident. How's this? I'm confident we'll do better against the um, Mavericks than we did when we lost to them by 50. Hey, how about that for going out on limb? So Jazz come back on the trip three and two, big success. Um, only had two road wins before they went on the trip, so that's clear. Bigger success, it was a funky road trip, right? We came home in between. Um, this is the first time I've done a show out of the home studio in a long time, though. Um, but... The bigger one to me was we just come back a more confident team. I thought that was really clear last night. Um, That game went wrong a bunch of times. The offense had a brutal uh, second and third quarters last night. Uh, Here's the rundown by quarter offensively. The Jazz had a 137 offensive ranking in the first quarter last night. A 61 offensive ranking in the second quarter last night. And held it together and had a defensive rating of a 91. That's totally different. In the third quarter, we weren't much better. We were we got better by the end of the quarter. We were 113.6. We held it together with a 104.8 defensive rating. And then in the fourth quarter, everybody scored a lot. They scored more, 129. That ball squirts out kind of strangely. Whatever happened on that play, I never went back to watch it. Um, but I really thought last night, you know, just that's a more confident basketball team because things went wrong last night and they couldn't score for 20 about 20 minutes of the game and they stayed in it and that's where they've been letting go of the rope getting frustrated not being able to hold things um together and I thought that was really a sign of how different a team was we also have not had a lot of quarters 
defensively where our defensive rating was a 91 one quarter and a 104.8 the other. Like we're just kind of getting it. Um, and watching us play, there's some real offensive changes we've made where we're just playing kind of a free flow style that allows these guys to read and react. And they're doing it much better than they did earlier. So now last night, to New Orleans credit, they blew it up a little bit. It was not free flowing. The previous teams we played to kind of let you play. Miami's not going to let us play coming in here. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens. So that was a regression. But if you look at our offense, and cleaning the glass does this really, really well by color. Actually, you know what? For those of you on YouTube, I may try to share a screen here. Um, I do not going to be able to do that. Um, for whatever reason, I do not have the options on my – oh, I do. Um, let's see if I can do this for a second. Is there anything up there that's was not planning this? Give me a quick check. Um, was trying to check and see if there's, um, was not anything, uh, was there anything up there I didn't want anyone to see? And the answer does not seem to be, um, okay, let's see. You should have, so this is clean for those of you on YouTube on, uh, audio. I think I can do a good enough job. This is cleaning the glass and, um, Cleaning the glass is Ben Falk's site. And if you look just, the orange numbers are above average and the blue numbers are below average. So if you look at the Jazz offensively, which is this column right here, again, on audio, I apologize. From the 21st, this, this will all make sense to you, I promise. From the 21st of November to the 13th of December, every game we played but one, we were below average offensively. Every single one. So one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven games. Ten of the eleven, we are below average offensively. In all eleven, we are below average shooting. In all but one, we are below average taking care of the ball. Pretty brutal stretch of offense for us. Then when you talk about a more mature and better group, starting with the win against the Portland Trailblazers. And so you go our last, I think, nine games now. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight games. We've been above average offensively in six of the eight games. It's really vast improvement. We've been shooting above average in five of the eight games. And we've taken care of the ball at average or above average in six of the eight games. Little switch. I added the at average. So that is... Just a, it's a beautiful, the reason I put it up on my screen is it's really just a beautiful picture of how much this team has improved. Blue being bad is all over the screen. And then all of a sudden now most stuff offensively is orange. So it's just a more confident group. Now, last night we go back, right? We turn it over 20% of our possessions. Again, we get really loose with possessions last night. That's why we lost is we just didn't value the ball and value possessions the way we should have last night. Our shooting gets back to the 21st percentile and our, and our offensive rating was in the 38th. So we slipped last night. But um, we really, I think, you, you see a, a really nice kind of growth pattern there. And to me, the biggest one about last night was the fact that when things went wrong, we stayed in it. The other one we're seeing is we're seeing the zone settle in. And what I mean by that is on the five-game road trip, we played 12 possessions of zone against Cleveland. I know everyone thought the zone got killed. It did, but for only 12 possessions. And 1.3 points per possession, 1.28. 
Then against Detroit, we played 17 possessions of zone. Okay, that's pretty different. Against New York, Portland, Brooklyn, Sacramento, we were in the 50s. We were playing <clears throat> over half of our half-court possessions. This is still by far the most in the league. The league average is 3%. Miami's the highest at 10%. We're, we're, you're playing half-court possession. You know, you're playing, let's call it 100 possessions a night. 75 of those are in the half-court, maybe 80. Um, so if you're playing 12, 17 possessions, you know, somewhere in there, you're still playing a lot more than most people. It's a major staple of what we're doing, but it wasn't become, it wasn't the defense. Like there was a question, I think of whether or not the zone could really be the defense. Well, so against Cleveland, we played 12 times, Detroit, 17, Toronto, we played 15. It was not very good. And we pulled out of it. And then against San Antonio, we went back to playing at 22 possessions tonight. It was very good. One point of possession. San Antonio's half court offense sucks. And then new Orleans last night, unless they play Portland, who they torched last night. Um, and then New Orleans, we played it 23 times last night to a 1.05. 1.05 is good. Average half-court possession in the league is about 1.13. Maybe a little. Eh. Every, average non-transition possession is probably 1.13, something like that. Um, so 1.05 is good. Um, and so I think we're seeing the zone settle in and Will being, okay, like he went zone of Palooza there for a while. And I think has now said, okay, well, we probably have to still play some man. And I'm not sure we can just sit in a zone. Like you can't, Will's point this whole time has been that when we're a championship team, we're going to have to be able to vary our defenses. He actually took the zone so far that he wasn't actually varying defenses, right? He was actually just staying in one defense the entire time. And now he's varying defense again, as he says, you know, hey, when we're a championship team, which is the goal here, we're trying to build toward that. Then that that's what we're going to have to be able to do. So I think we're just seeing a, a, a different team, a more confident team, an improved offensive team, and we're seeing an improved understanding of who they are defensively. There are tough days ahead still, and we'll touch on that um, as we continue. We're just getting started. It is Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Thank you very much for tuning in. Greatly appreciate you. Happy New Year, um, and uh, hope to see you out at the arena uh, one of the next two nights. Today's edition of Locked on Jazz is brought to you by Murdoch Hyundai, located at 4646 South State Street, also located in Logan and in Linden. The Murdochs have been in Utah for over 80 years. Hyundai has got an incredible lineup of cars from the Ionic 5 to the Ionic 6. My wife took the Ionic 5 to the airport. My daughter's playing golf tournament in Arizona, so they're down there. I was so bummed. I, I drove in on my, my Hyundai Santa Fe last night and was like, okay, well, I'm going to drive the ionic tomorrow which i kind of love the ionic and then i got home and it wasn't here sadly but maybe that's the greatest sign when you own a car and you're excited to see it zero percent for five years and no payments for 90 days on the 2024 tucson and the santa fe and five thousand dollars off the award-winning 2024 ionic don't forget the palisade the ever so beautiful palisade uh that's going on murdoch hyundai great lineup of cars and then obviously the unbelievable customer service that is what defines who the murdochs are in Utah, uh, all taking place at Murdoch Hyundai. If you're going to head over there, feel free to email me first. Love to have you jump aboard and uh, get that VIP treatment you deserve by being a Locked On listener. That's the best part about being a part of Locked On every day is as we try to take care of you, and in this case, give you the VIP experience over at Murdoch Hyundai. So if you're going to head over to any of the Murdoch locations, please take a minute and email me first and let me know so that I can give you that VIP treatment you get from Murdoch Hyundai. Today's show is also brought to you by PrizePix. Use the code LOCKEDONNBA for a first-time deposit matchup to $100, prizepix.com. 
slash locked on NBA. Pick more or less on any of the fun lines that are out there for you on prize picks on player performance. And you take part in the largest daily fantasy sports platform in North America because Prize Picks is daily fantasy sports made easy. Simple, easy. You can get your selections in in no time. And with you pick two to six players who are either going to go more or less and watch the winnings roll in. Even offers reboot policy so that your entries stay even if a player is injured. You can do football, basketball, combo games. It's all there at Prize Picks for you. It offers Apple Pay for quick and easy deposits into your account for the this basketball season. And also uh, so on Taco Tuesdays, Prize picks discount select player projections 25% or more. All get it done at prizepicks.com slash locked on NBA. Use the code locked on NBA for your first deposit match. It's prizepicks.com slash locked on NBA. Thank you very much for making Locked On Jazz your first listen of the day. I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Jazz, Jazz NBA Insider. We do this Monday through Friday. So glad to have you aboard. If you're looking for more jazz content, Holly Rose sits down with Frank Layden on the Front Row Podcast. Catch all of her shows. She's had Ryan, Will Hardy, and more. It's all up on Jazz Plus for you. Jazz Plus has all sorts of great content for you. Um, taking it if you're a big-time jazz fan, which you are uh, here. I hope that Jazz Plus experience has been awesome for everyone. I know the people around it have worked really hard, and it's been great. We're kind of midway through the season. You can pick select games, too. So if you want to have a January 1st get-together with the friends and watch Luca and Mavericks, you can just buy the January 1st game. It's kind of great. All right. Um, we played 16 different four-man lineups, five-man lineups last night. Woo! Feels really high. I'd have to go check. I actually don't know that it's that high, but 16 different five-man lineups last night. The starters played 14 minutes. I, this is why I've always believed you play your best five players as your starters. Now, last night we started Walker and John Collins together, which has generally not worked out this year. We did that for every day or earlier this week, yesterday's show on all the lineup data and everything. But it did last night. We, the starters were plus four. Um, and I think there's some argument that we should give that a try again. Like, I don't, it's, it was a mess the first time. And it does, it looks clunky. Um, but I do think we maybe should try it again before we totally disband uh, doing it. It's had a hard time scoring. The turnovers feel like they're up last night. It just defended really well. The offense was okay. Um, I It was my vibe on it last night. So, I mean, the thing is right now is we're just trying to play so many different players. And I, I said this, you know, I feel for Will because frankly, the amount of, um, the amount of players that deserve time is, I mean, I could argue Taylor deserves time. Taylor deserves time. Omer Yurksaven deserves time. We're, we could be at 13 players um, that deserve time. The offense last night with, with Walker and John looked clunky. It was a 150. It wasn't clunky at all. Um, the defense was bad again, which is weird. Um, I actually asked Will about this last night that like, cause I just, you know, we did that show. I said like, there was just a bunch of numbers that intuitively didn't make sense to me. Um, and how they're working out. And, you know, what do you do when you see something that doesn't make intuitive sense with a lineup and how do you, how do you work off that? And I think, you know, he said, you just got to try to figure out if there's another reason. So like I point out Chris Dunn and Walker Kessler is working together, which two shooters shouldn't. And he's like, well, it's our two best defensive players. So maybe it works because of that. And this, in this case, it, they weren't very good defensively together last night. Um, Chris and Walker, the offense held it together in that 14 minutes. But so last night we played, I think whatever I said, 
you know, 15, 14, 15, five man lineups. It's just, it's a lot. I, I don't know what will, I don't know the answer on this. I really don't. Um, I mean, I think it's just making really, really hard, tough decisions, but you've got to be super, there's no need to bury guys. They're all young enough and developing. I mean, there are like people really around the league, like, like Taylor, like, you know, he's the guy who's out of the rotation right now. He's playing really well. Like, um, and you know, suddenly he plays six minutes and like, that's just not, this is not like, he kind of struggled coming off the bench when he went from starting to bench. And then he got into a rhythm of understanding that. And I thought Will made a really interesting point the other day about Colin, like you, you don't have to shoot every time to score in this league. Like if you just play the game, you'll get the points. Well, if you're playing six minutes, you certainly don't feel that way. Um, and so, you know, last night kind of Will tried it again. He played a 10 man rot. He played 11 last night. And if he, he played the 10 and the fewest minutes by anybody was Simone who played 14 and the most was Lowry who played 34 and only one guy played 30. That might be who we are. We just might not have a lot of guys that have to play over 30 minutes a night other than Lowry. Like it's just not right now. Collins, our second best player earlier this year was Jordan. It's just not clearly defined um, in who our, who our next best player is. And so maybe we're going to do this where you play, Lowry's playing 35 every night and then everybody else is playing between 16 and 28 super hard. Like it's really interesting because if you were around Jerry Sloan and Quinn Snyder for different reasons, they both believed in very, very set regimented substitution patterns. So Jerry's theory, and I hopefully I'm characterizing the late Jerry Sloan correctly and the currently alive will, uh, Quinn Snyder in a manner that neither of them think I'm being inaccurate. But Jerry's theory was that players like Howard Isley would play better if he knew, okay, I know I'm coming in exactly at the five minute mark of the first quarter and I'm playing all the way till the 10 minute mark of the second quarter. No matter what I do, I'm always playing the same amount of time and that's my run. And that's what I do. And I can, and I'll play better if I know that. Right. So that was, and I'll come to the arena and prepare and I'll know exactly what I get. And there's no surprise. That was really Jerry's theory. Now, there could have been this other thing, and this is the Hassan Whiteside rule of things. So Hassan Whiteside, who thought he was an NBA worthy of being an NBA starter and could be really difficult in the locker room. It's why he ended up out of the league, frankly, by the time he did when he still had a lot of talent and he bounced around some teams late um, in his careers. He could, he could be a really, he could be a tough one. Well, Quinn's, approach with him was, okay, well, I'm going to set his substitutions at the exact same time every single night, no matter what. So there was never a discussion of whether I pulled him because he was playing well or not. So Hassan would get pulled out of the game and be upset every single time, but it allowed Quinn to say to him like, Hey, that's your role. That's what you're doing. I didn't pull you because you were playing badly. I didn't play you because you were pulled. I didn't not let you play because you're playing well. This is what you do. So Hassan would get hot and he'd play well, and then he'd get pulled out. He'd be upset, but it's like, wait, wait, the other night you didn't play well. We did the exact same thing with you. There's no debate here. There's no gray area. This is not personal. This is exactly your role. Rudy's our best player. And so Rudy is going to play those minutes. And Quinn did that much to keep the locker room together. Like then you didn't have guys quibbling about how much they could play or they couldn't. Will Hardy's taking a a much more kind of open approach and probably, honestly, a riskier approach. Like, coaches don't like turmoil. Coaches don't like it when there's any discussion. Coaches don't like gray area. Will has got a roster that's – and he's embracing the gray area. It's 
it's probably best for the team. It makes Will's life really difficult. Um, but he's he's playing kind of this game where, every, you know, Kelly Olenek played just 19 minutes last night. And that bench unit could not score last night. Oh, my. Um, the uh, is that really that's what kind of the story was last night is that the bench unit couldn't score. And what I don't know, and I asked Ron this on postcats is like if these guys are not used to playing together and they don't have that and we're bounced different guys in starting lineups and all these things, does that actually night to night impact or is basketball basketball? I'm a little bit in the last school on that one, by the way. I, I just actually think basketball is basketball. Um, but like last night, our offensive rating when Kelly was on the floor was an 87, when Keontae was on the floor was an 89, when Jordan was on the floor was a 92, when Simone was on the floor was an 87 and Ochai 79. Like we just didn't score with our bench unit. Our starters were all up in the one twenties of scoring last night. Um, and we just, we really had a, we had a scuffle and the bench didn't rebound. The other, the offensive rebounding of the, of the main group was half decent last night. Um, but I think this is really going to be fascinating to see how this all plays out and then how will holds it together. He is definitely taking the riskier approach, but I, but I don't think we did this before the year started where we all sat down and built our rotations and we all came up with wildly different things. I, I don't think I could build a rotation right now where I would be able to look at Jordan Clarkson. Okay. Here's your minutes. They're guaranteed. They're going to set like this and you're going to play. I mean, frankly, Jordan's we go as Jordan goes right now still. Right. In, in Jordan's we're seven and 15 in games, which Jordan plays. In wins, he's shooting 48% and 41% from three with a true shooting percentage of 62%. And in losses, he's shooting 36% and 22% from three and in true shooting percentage of 45%. Like that's a little bit of who we are. We got Lowry. We kind of know what he's going to be. And we just don't know entirely what anyone else is giving us every night. Credit to Colin Sexton. He's a lot closer to giving us the exact same thing every night than anyone else has been on this roster. And Talon, give credit to Talon for eight games prior to this little stretch. He, he actually was doing the same. But Colin's been wildly consistent here. Colin Sexton now, since moving into the starting lineup, um, is averaging, I think, 23 points a game and giving you about 23 points every single night on a very similar line. Like, since Colin started, he's taken 18, 17, 18, 17, 17, 18, 11, 10, and 17 shots a game. So you're Colin's giving you 17, 18 shots a game, and he's making between 8 and 10 of them every night. It's pretty great. Last night he had 26. He's had 26, 27, 28, 27, 20, 19, 16, 20, and 26. He's probably coming close that you can pencil him in. And the... 50% shooting for the field and 40% shooting from three and 88% from the line on five threes a game. It's pretty awesome at 40%. Lowry Markkinen has shown a massive improvement. And how do the Jazz get Taylor Hendricks on the floor? We touch on those two things as we continue here on Locked on Jazz. Today's show is brought to you by our friends over at FanDuel as the official sports book of Locked on. The official sports book of official sports book partner of the NFL and partner of the NBA. FanDuel is here for you with some great opportunities for you. FanDuel.com slash locked on new customers get $150 in bonus bets on any $5 winning money line bet. 
just bet against the Pistons 27 straight times. Uh, that's $150 if your team's wins. You've been thinking about joining FanDuel. There's no better time to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use. Spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. FanDuel.com slash locked on to get your $150 bet. I'm curious, are the Celtics, I would assume, are still the odds-on favorite? Let's take a look at the FanDuel Sportsbook right now and see what we've got for um, NBA and uh, season-long items in the NBA right now. Um, NBA Finals, Boston Championship plus 320, Denver plus 420, Milwaukee plus 460, Phoenix plus 1,000, Clippers plus 1,200, Philadelphia plus 1,300. I guess Minnesota plus 1,900. MVP award, Joel Embiid plus 200, Nikola Jokic plus 250, Luka plus 500, Shea plus 600, Giannis plus 500. They have regular season wins still? When does Detroit get their next regular season win? Oh, plus 200 against Toronto, plus 500 against Houston, plus 360 against the Jazz. Those are the next three. Plus 1,900 against the Warriors, plus 3,000 against the Denver Nuggets. And then plus 950 back at home against Sacramento. All right. All sorts of fun stuff. NBA specials, draft, things like that. When does LeBron score his 40,000th regular season point? It's a fun one they have going on right now. And all the awards as well. Rookie of the year, Chet Holmgren leads Victor Webanyama, and Rudy is running away with defensive player of the year. Um, and sixth man is Austin Reeves still. Hmm. Mark Dagnall, coach of the year. All right, that is FanDuel.com slash locked on. Thanks so much for making Locked On Jazz your first listen. We, by the way, do have this fabulous new 24-7 sports channel, Locked On Sports Today. It's up on Amazon Fire. If you have Amazon Fire, Locked On is now up on Amazon Fire. We have not really revealed that. That's kind of a secret. That's my end-of-the-year special treat for you to let you know that we are up on Amazon Fire now. Um, So if you have a Fire Stick, go search Locked On in your programming. Um, I'll have to do it again to know how to do it. I'm not entirely sure I have it figured out. Uh, Lowry Markkinen has five assists. Last three games, he has four assists, one assist, five assists, two assists, and five assists. This is a major step in Lowry's development. For Lowry to become the player that we want him to be, the Jazz need Lowry to create some opportunities for his teammates. And he was not doing that at all. Um, in fact, if we go back and look at Lowry Markinen's game log, he had a really, before he got injured, he had a five-game stretch, seven-game stretch, where he had one assist, averaging like 37 minutes a night. Okay, that's not good. He played six games, 36 minutes a night. He had one assist. Actually, seven games, played 36 minutes a night. He had one assist. Okay, I get why he catches the ball. He has to make a move right away. He has the limited touch time. Tim Lacombe did a great job finding that. I got it. Still not good. Like, you can't have one assist in 252 minutes. In his last game, since coming back from the injury, three assists, four assists, one assist, five assists, two assists, five assists. That's big time improvement. That's really, really good. So that's really important. All right, what are we doing to get Taylor Hendricks time? He's important. He's the ninth pick of the draft. He's super important. My answer is 
he gets on a plane and he goes and joins the G League team tomorrow. And I think the G League time for him now would be incredible. He's played NBA minutes. He understands the NBA game. It's actually tactile to him. He's actually experienced. He's felt the speed. He understands what his opportunities are, how he's going to play. And I would suggest that he goes and gets on a plane today and joins the team in Stockton, California, and then joins them on the upcoming road trip to Cleveland. They then come home for one on January 4th before going back out on the road for another three. So he played with the G League team till January 15th. He would get five road games, one home game, a bunch of time in there. From the 7th to the 14th, they don't play. So he could rejoin the team for the homestand on the 10th, 12th, and 13th against Denver, Toronto, and LA, and Indiana, and then go back out. Sounds perfect to me. And let him play. And then go play back-to-backs in Iowa, come back home. And then the neat thing is when you're home, the G League and the NBA do a pretty brilliant thing that you may notice that we never play on the same nights. So that you can go play a G League game one night and an NBA game the next night. But if he's going to get time, I think that's how he's got to do it. Um, And I think that's... And I think that time's important, and I think the minutes will be way more valuable to him than they were prior. Because now he's felt the NBA, and he understands what the NBA is, and I, and I'm, I think you'll see him play the G League minutes with a better understanding of what's important. And this is exactly why you have the G League. I've talked about this on the radio a lot. Rick Sun used to talk about GM in the NBA that there's 600-minute there's 800-minute rookies. There's, I think, 1,400-minute rookies, 2,200-minute rookies. And then eventually you want to be a 3,200-minute player. I actually think his numbers were 800, 1,600, and 2,400. And that's your progression. You're going to go from an 800-minute player to a 1,600-minute player to a 2,400-minute player in the NBA. Most guys. And then some guys can get to go above that. And what Taylor is right now is a borderline 800-minute-a-night player. But by having the G League, we can get him close to a 1,600-minute-a-night player. Right? That's pretty great. That he gets enough time where he sees the NBA, feels the NBA, but then can go and get <clears throat> two times as many minutes by being by playing the G League than if he's just sitting around the NBA right now where he's not going to play for a while. And I think that really matters. And it's like, let's take note. He's shooting 44% in the G League and 38% from three. Decent. 38's really nice. Um, Johnny Juzang, by the way, is shooting lights out. He's near 50% from three. Um, and Micah Potter's at 44%. Like, our two-way guys are really good. Um, Yeah, on six threes a night for both those guys. It's pretty great. Um, I think that you'll see. Let's let's watch what Taylor's numbers are. By the way, the thing on Bryce, and I don't think I did get enough job about mentioning this the other day when we talked about Bryce for a quick minute, um, was that he he really, they're impressed with his passing. They're super impressed with his passing. He's got to get in better shape. He's got to work through the knee injury, get himself in, in, in this kind of shape he needs to be in. He's got to be able to defend. But and he's but his passing, is they knew he could bucket, and his passing's really, really good. All right, that is Locked on Jazz today. We'll be back with you. Have a happy new year. I'll be back with you on the second, probably. Ron and I will be back with you twice between now and then. Have a great one. Talk to you soon. Thanks so much 
for tuning in. We now send you to the first ever 24-7 stream on YouTube, Locked On Sports Today.